Welcome to Let's Talk Nerdy, a podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs, marketing wizards, and anyone interested in learning from the challenges and successes of business owners just like them. My name is Christian. I'm the creative director at Cool Nerds Marketing. And I'm Mike Venezia, digital marketing director at Cool Nerds Marketing. And our guest on this episode is Matthew Finelli, senior vice president of digital at MI Targeted Media out of Stanford, Connecticut. Matt shared some fascinating information with us about the technical evolution of digital media and offered some valuable insight on consumer behavior, data, and transparency. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Matthew, thank you very much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me today. Yeah, welcome. So in going through the technical evolution of digital and how you know technology is really impacting everything that consumers are uh, exposed to and how they're interacting with brands in different ways. What are some of the, the key highlights of how that evolution is really driving what brands are doing to um, you know, reach consumers now and moving forward? That's a great question. And as I travel the country, I hear that question from so many different clients and agencies. What's happening? How is the consumer journey changing? And how is that evolving? And what I will say is, from my perspective, there's really kind of a trifecta of things that are happening. And the first part of that trifecta is the number of choices. And when I talk about the number of choices, and most people actually don't even know this stat, but in the average supermarket in the United States, there are 158 choices of cold cereal. No cream of wheat, no add hot water and mix it up. Cold cereal and granola, 158 choices. The reason why I highlight that as the first part of this trifecta on the consumer journey is because whether we're buying a box of cereal, a pair of shoes, a belt, deciding on an automobile, insurance, purchasing a home, we have more choices than ever before as consumers. You compound that with the second part of the trifecta, which is our attention spans. And if you take a look at research in the year 2000, the average attention span of an adult in the United States was 12 seconds. Fast forward to the end of 2018, which is the latest research we have, it's actually three seconds. It's being disputed currently, but most psychologists believe that that is less than the attention span of a goldfish. So you have more choices than ever before and the lowest attention spans that we've ever seen. Now, the third part of that trifecta is the number of connected devices we have access to. When I first saw that number, and in the average household, it's actually 13 connected devices, I thought to myself, well, how is that even possible? And then for those of you that that don't know me, my wife and I, we have four children, we have two dogs, we buy a lot of stuff, we're consumers of a lot of products. Well, 13 connected devices very quickly between myself, my wife, and our oldest, we all have a smartphone, we all have an iPad, we all have a laptop computer, And now the things that we call televisions, kind of quote unquote, are really just giant monitors that are hanging on our walls or sitting on a piece of furniture that we are streaming information into. So from a consumer perspective, where we have more choices than ever before, the lowest attention spans ever, and devices that are beeping, buzzing, and blinking in our faces every which way we turn, from a marketing and an advertising perspective, Well, how do you break through that clutter? And really part of that key is, and what I see happening, is harnessing the power of technology. And when I talk about technology, it's the deployment of the message, but it's also the data that surrounds that deployment. 
how do I just not reach the right people, but how do I reach the right people at the right time, in the right place, in the right environment to complete a predetermined desired action? And that's a space where artificial intelligence is really making a a tremendous impact because the amount of data that's being collected on all of us, whether we know it or not, is astonishing. You take a look at some of the devices that are becoming more mainstream, like Alexa, Google Home, right? Those devices, we are welcoming them into our homes to listen to us. And now when you think about smartphones, right, and the microphone capabilities, and most people don't recognize this, they're always on and they are always listening. You can turn off the microphone. Half the things that the phone is supposed to do, actually it won't if you turn that off. But when we think about our relationship, and I say relationship with our device, because we have a relationship with our phones now, right? When we take a look at the research, pardon me, 82% of people, if they leave their house in the morning without their phone, will actually turn around and go get it, compared to only 41% of people will turn around to get their wallet and or purse if they forget it. So this relationship that we have with technology and devices is really at an all-time high. And from a consumer standpoint, the amount of data that's being collected on us is astonishing. Now, what a lot of you are probably thinking is, well, at what point is that too creepy? Whether it's through artificial intelligence or listening, what does that mean? Well, what I would say is, as someone who is a provider, if you are transparent in the data that you are collecting, you're upfront about how you're using that data and you talk about the features and benefits to the consumer, well, then you're ahead of the game because I personally, as a consumer, wouldn't mind my data being collected if it's going to improve my life and make it a little bit easier. As I travel around the country and I give this presentation to small groups, to very large groups, I actually just did it yesterday in Pittsburgh where we had about 110 people turn out to hear about kind of the permeation of artificial intelligence. And what I will say is when I ask the question of the audience, anyone here raise your hands if you have free time? No one ever raises their hand anymore. No one ever says, I have tons of free time on my hands. So from a consumer perspective, if harnessing this technology enables the consumer's life to be improved, then that creepiness factor goes away. The creepiness factor is really tied to, I'm unsure, I'm not certain, I don't know what you're doing with my information, and all of a sudden I'm being targeted and I don't ever remember even looking at this or being interested in it. Why am I receiving that? And I think that's something in terms of marketing and advertising that we're going to see a tremendous shift again. One of the things that we actually did as an organization, I got interviewed by eMarketer about two months ago and they actually published the article about data and transparency. And I very much come from the school of being transparent, being open, being honest, and talking about features and benefits to the consumer. When we look at artificial intelligence and how it helps to break through this trifecta of things, most people think, wow, like this just kind of happened, you know, six months ago or a year ago. The first instances of artificial intelligence actually started way back in 1956. That's when the coin was really phrased, right, of artificial intelligence and creating something that can emulate human reasoning, thinking, decision-making. You fast forward along the ecosystem, right? In 1997, Tiger Electronics launched the Furby, 
kind of fun fact for all of you that are listening, if you have a Furby that's unblemished in a box, you could sell it for $4,000. So go and find your Furbies. But that was really the first interactive toy that was built off the premise of artificial intelligence, right? And part of the benefit of all of this is, and for those of you that are listening, regardless of your age range or where you fall, you know, quick story for you. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and I got a great report card and my parents said, hey, Matthew, we're going to go to Toys R Us so you can pick out a toy. My kids have no idea what Toys R Us is. They think that toys fall out of the sky in cardboard boxes and land upon my front porch. Part of that is because as marketers, we need to change what we're doing. When I look at my oldest child, who's 18 years old now, the way that she makes purchase decisions, decides on products, services, is very different than the way that I would do that, very different than the way that her younger siblings would do that. Someone a lot wiser than me once said, the days go by slow, but the years go by fast. 10 years from now, my 18-year-old and that age group are going to have a tremendous amount of buying power. They're potentially going to be settling down, maybe purchasing a home, their first car on their own. If we continue to market and advertise the way that we do today, we are going to miss the boat on that group. The reason why I mentioned Toys R Us is the board of Toys R Us was actually offered the opportunity to be the Amazon of toys and they turned it down. Most people say, I'm a change agent. I love change. Change is great. They're lying. People do not like change. It's uncomfortable. It's a little foreign to them. But as marketers and advertisers, if we don't start to pivot and plan for the future, we are going to miss the boat. You take a look at a category like agriculture. Agriculture, traditional category, artificial intelligence has changed that business model tremendously. We actually, a young lady that worked for us in our Chicago office, moved back home to Iowa, and she is working for a drone company that actually has artificial intelligence built into the drones that they sell to farmers. And they send these drones up in the air to survey the crop, to make real-time decisions on irrigation, pesticides that need to be applied, how the crop is coming in. When you think about how that was done in the past, the farmer had to employ a lot of people to go out into the crop, survey the land, see what was happening. And by the time they could make a change, in a lot of cases, it was too late. The crop was bad or it was spoiled. So when we look at technology, there's always those naysayers that say, oh, technology is kind of the devil, right? It's no good. People don't communicate. It's how do you harness technology for the good, right? And you look at something like agriculture, where in the past crops potentially were completely ruined, where artificial intelligence can actually improve that. Think about things like fraud detection, right? Facial recognition. Part of facial recognition is there's actually retail stores <clears throat> that when someone walks in, their face gets recognized, sales associate at the store gets pinged and says, hey, Matt Finelli just walked in. He was here a month ago. He spent X amount of dollars and this is the type of stuff that he buys. So when I walk into the store, I'm personally greeted. They have an idea of my likes, my dislikes, and they make me feel valued. As a consumer, we want to feel valued. Artificial intelligence helps the brands to value the consumer and the customer. Unfortunately, most of us are always in this business of, we need new. We need new customers, we need new consumers, and we tend to neglect and forget our existing customer base. Artificial intelligence really helps us to bridge that gap, to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with our existing customers. And when we look across all of it, that challenge is we're fickle in our buying patterns. 
we're fickle in our decision making. Every piece of research indicates if we lose an existing customer, we have to spend eight times the amount of money to get that customer back versus someone new. But we're always in the cycle of let's chase the new. And granted, that's very important to get new customers and have new business, but not at the expense of losing our existing customers. So I think that's something that's really a key to all of you. And one of the things that I would say is I recognize that we can't abandon everything that we've done up until this point when it comes to marketing and advertising. We can't throw it all out. But we do need to start to make subliminal changes and changes to our strategy and changes to our plans. Because if we don't, we're going we're gonna to miss the boat. Look across some traditional types of media. You take television as an example. How many people are cord cutters? How many people are considered cord neverers? People that have never had a cord to begin with, right? From an advertising and marketing perspective, if we stay flat and say, this is what we spend on television every single year, the amount of people we continue to reach is going to continue to decline. We need to look at different ways to reach these people. And I go back to my own family. I look at my 18-year-old. My 18-year-old is not watching TV ads. She's not listening to traditional radio ads. She's online. She's streaming content into her television, quote unquote, right? How are we going to reach her? And how are we going to use things like artificial intelligence through data and targeting to break through the clutter? Because again, too many choices, attention span is way too low, and there are too many screens to reach people in. And they kind of go hand in hand creating that valuable experience for your current consumers and then growth and new customer acquisition because with as many choices as people have these days a lot of consumers are turning to their peers you know to to make the decisions for new products and new ventures so you see reviews becoming very important for you know on the retail side and really in every facet of 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 business trying to increase and stabilize and maintain its revenue stream because you know you can have a thousand satisfied customers, but if there's only one bad experience that really speaks up, that can turn off, you know, a lot of that new growth opportunity. So that's true. It really is important to, you know, focus and make the best possible experience for who you have now. And then that will be a part of, you know, how you grow in the future. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with that more. I think in, in part of that is why social media has grown exponentially, Right. right? We want to be like the people we're around, like our friends. And social media has really opened up the universe where if personally, you know, you had 20 friends or 30 friends or 50, if you were a really popular guy, now all of a sudden, you know, celebrities have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of friends that they're influencing. Mm -hmm. And that one bad review or that one bad write-up or what have you can destroy thousands of good ones, right? And to me, again, it's all about having that deeper, more meaningful relationship. And brands need to recognize there are pivotal moments with their consumers, right? There's that moment where going above and beyond and having better customer service really outperforms everything else, right? And that word of mouth is a tremendous value to them as a brand. I mean, from a lot of the research that I read, it actually says that by the end of 2022, that customer service is going to outperform price and product as a key brand differentiator. It's the customer service that I received. And unfortunately, we live in a world and an environment where if you just do what you say you're gonna do, you're a rock star. I mean, there are so many categories of business and I always like taking off my you know, marketer hat and putting on my consumer hat. 
I mean, in some cases, my wife and I actually joke, I feel like we're chasing people down to give them our money. Right. I've never experienced anything like that. And I know we've actually had this conversation specifically about home services and getting someone to your house. It's almost like- It's amazing how difficult it is. Please just show up and I'll pay you whatever you want, right? And, and that from a social media perspective, I think to your point, because my wife and I really started to rely on that and just looking at who never shows up, who didn't complete the job, why would we call on them? And I think part of it is, as consumers and as people, in today's world, we want what we want when we want it, period. And that's why from a commercial real estate and a retail perspective, it's so difficult because think about it. I need a new pair of shoes. Well, if I'm going to go to the store, I have to get in my car, drive to the mall, park my car, go into the store. I find the shoes I like. And then they don't have them in the size or the color that I want and they order them and ship them to me anyway, right? So it's this idea of instant gratification as a consumer because my mind is going at a mile a minute. If I wanna wake up at three o'clock in the morning and buy my shoes, well, that's what I wanna do, right? And the reality is when you look at the age ranges, that's only getting worse in terms of that instant gratification. So being able to do something like a retail store with facial recognition, right? or through social media reviews, where someone feels valued, warranted, like someone has gone the extra mile, that's when you're gonna get them off the e-commerce, right, on their computer, and maybe get them into the store, versus them just saying, listen, I can do everything I want right here. In the past year and a half, as I've traveled the country, and I've been in markets, everything from LA and San Francisco, to Milwaukee, to Rochester, New York, I always ask my groups, who here hasn't purchased something from Amazon? In 18 months, I've not had one person raise their hand and say they haven't purchased something from Amazon. Well, and why is that? They have a tremendous amount of data on us, right? They're targeting us really well. They're recommending certain things to us based off of the other things that we're purchasing. And as a consumer, why is that important? Well, it's making my life a little bit easier. I mean, you could attest to this as the social manager <clears throat> speaking specifically about influencers. You know, recently there's, or maybe not recently, but there's a lot of conversation around, you know, the, the impact that influencers can have for a brand these days. And we've done some influencer campaigns. And I think what we found was, you know, the reach is there with your celebrity status influencers. You know, you, you can find someone that has the massive following and then do something with them that will get reaction. It'll be a lot of likes and certainly comments and things. But when you find kind of some of the smaller influencers that have more loyal followings, you know, mm. those connections can sometimes be more impactful than just, okay, this person has millions of followers versus, you know, maybe tens of thousands, but the quality in, in the comment section is much you know, higher with that kind of lower following influencer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's always people, um, or at least recently, it seems like there are more people that want to sort of piggyback off the success of uh, other, you know, popular influencers. So sort of like you said, if someone has, uh, you know, if figure A has a million followers, there's uh, everyone else wants to sort of jump in the comments section and sort of contribute and say, oh, like my page, uh, or you know, follow sure. for follow, share, right. yeah, all that kind of stuff, all that sort of baiting kind of mm. uh, behavior, which in itself is is in 
some instances a form of AI, like the bots and things. That absolutely. Can go through and just crowd that space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then again, like you were saying, you know, the people with maybe less of a following, but more of an authentic following are, you know, the ideal. You know, I think it just goes back to authenticity. And I know, especially with the, I was going to say younger generations, but I'm right. still a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> Youngest guy in the room. People, right. Yeah. You know, people like me um, and, and Gen Z, which love that there's a generation, you know, after, Under your after right. mine now. Right? <laughs> um, you know, Gen Z in particular is, is starting to move towards, you know, taking influencer recommendations over celebrity endorsements or, or even, you know, straight from the brand. And it's really interesting, Christian, because... Even for us, there's a great Instagram account called Live Life Curated, which my wife and I are on. It's a relatively new account. And basically what this account does, it's super small, very authentic, and it's curating kind of the best products based off of price point for a family. So it's everything from like kind of knockoff Grey Goose sneakers for kids that are $17 at Target that kind of have a review to a great humidifier for your bedroom, to umbrellas. Like that's the type of stuff where it's not a celebrity, but it's actually a mom, right? Who has a family and as she's searching for products and testing them out, she's actually sharing that. And it's very authentic because there's no paid sponsorships. It's not that she's getting a cut of any of this. It's just, listen, these sneakers are great. These umbrellas are awesome. This humidifier works really well. So I think to your point, the authenticity of that is really important. I mean, when you look at cross kind of social influencers in general, you know, when I look at something like the Real Housewives franchises, it started out very authentic. Like it started out when the first Real Housewives, which was Housewives of Orange County, I think, started. It was literally like, these are the products and things that I like and I love. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at any one of their Instagram accounts, it's all sponsored. It's all paid. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of talking about the same eyewear, the same flat tummy lollipops, right? So it's interesting because to your point, as people get big, their authenticity kind of dwindles, mm -hmm. you it know? Is, it's like authenticity is definitely a moving target in that right. regard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's very important for <clears throat> brands and marketers, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to keep their their finger on the pulse of that authenticity because a lot of the evolution and change that's happening so fast, you know, in many ways is unregulated. Mm. And it's hard because the bodies to be that would be putting, you know, the, the rules and the structure for that in place from outside the industry have a hard time keeping up and understanding, you know, what capabilities there are. And it's really not their fault because even as marketers, it's, it's a challenge to know oh, these are the options I have to reach my audience. That's so, right. You know, in, in the future, I think that that'll be even more important. Wouldn't you say that, you know, kind of a, a blend of the outside regulation and then the internal industry regulation working together to, to really make sure that we're delivering, you know, the best experiences to people be more and more important? Absolutely. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the key is the consumer. Right. And if we can talk about features and benefits and why they're receiving something, that really is the key. And I think understanding, and that's why I always talk about this trifecta of things, you know, as a consumer, there's too many choices. We're too busy. We have too many devices. Harnessing the power of data, targeting, and technology to make their life better as a consumer 
And it doesn't matter what type of a consumer they are, whether they're a soccer mom, a single male, it doesn't really matter. We're all really, really busy. So we're really on the cusp of something that I would say is, is great and somewhat revolutionary, where devices and kind of machines that can emulate human reasoning and thinking can really help break through a lot of that to move our messaging. And I think if there's one thing that I would say is we all have to be comfortable with change. And when I talk about change, it doesn't need to be a complete 360, but we need to start to take steps in the right direction and really be change agents. Because if we don't in marketing and advertising, our businesses are going to die if we don't change. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think, you know, unless you have any other questions or anything, Krishna, I think, you know, we've, we've covered a good bit here in this, this amount of time already. Um, you know, your, your three points, it's choices, attention span, and the connected devices all kind of being very important and leading this, you know, next step, I'll say. I'm not sure, Christian, do you know what a Furby is? Just want to make sure. <laughs> Listen, I'm young, but I'm not that young. <laughs> Some people listening weren't, weren't sure. But... Do you know what the Dewey Decimal System is? I do, yeah. All right, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And and I owned a cassette player before I owned a CD player. There so, you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but this has been a, a wonderful conversation. And uh, Matthew, thank you very much for being here. Matthew Finelli at MI Targeted Media was our guest today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate it. For more information about MNI Targeted Media, visit MNI.com. You can find more information about this podcast as well as other episodes at coolnerdsmarketing.com backslash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.